welcome to the Preacher Chick Podcast. I am Stacy, the Preacher Chick, and today is day 316 of reading the Bible together every day this year. Today, we are continuing in the book of Galatians. We're reading the third and fourth chapters. We're also going to read Psalm 6. Let's go. You foolish Galatians, who, cast, who has cast a spell on you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by the spirit, are you now finishing by the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing? If in fact it was for nothing, so then does God give you the spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law? Or is it by believing what you heard, just like Abraham who believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. You know then that those who have faith, these are a you know then that those who have faith, these are Abraham's sons. Now the scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and proclaimed the gospel ahead of time to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed through you. Consequently, those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, but it is written, everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Now it's clear that no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. But the law is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promised spirit through faith. Brothers and sisters, I'm using a human illustration. No one sets aside or makes additions to a validated human will. Now, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as though referring to many, but referring to one and to your seed, who is Christ. My point is this. The law, which which came 430 years later, does not invalidate a covenant previously established by God and thus cancel the promise. For if the inheritance is based on the law, it is no longer based on the promise. But God has graciously given it to Abraham through a promise. Remember, Abraham came before the law, right? So this is this is powerful what Paul is saying here to these people. Why then was the law given? It was added for the sake of transgressions until the seed that and in scripture that seed is capitalized because seed means Jesus to whom the promise was made would come. The law was put into effect through angels by means of a mediator. Now, a mediator is not just for one person alone, but God is one. Is the law therefore contrary to God's promises? Absolutely not. I love that because absolutely not with an exclamation point, an emphatic statement is something that Paul uses throughout a lot of his letters. I love it because he's like trying to catch attention. For if the law had been granted with the ability to give life, then righteousness would certainly be on the basis of the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin's power so that the promise might be given on the basis of faith in Jesus Christ to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were confined under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed. The law then was our guardian until Christ so that we could be justified by faith. But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For through faith, you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. For those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, 
male and female. Since you are all one in Christ Jesus, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Now I say that as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. Instead, he is under guard, the guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were in slavery under the elements of the world. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we, write, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Okay, this phrase, so in the CSB, which is what I'm reading, says, when the time had come to completion. Other translation says, and when the fullness of time had come, or when, you know, all of these things came together. What does that mean? Well, if you think about it, just practically, um, at the time Jesus came, it, the, the Romans had come through, there were paved roads, there were clear pathways, there were, there were different means of, of communication. There was, um, an educational, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? An educational system that had put into place. There were things that like aligned, so to speak, so that when the savior of the world had come, word could spread easier. And so when the fullness of time had come, so when God in his infinite wisdom saw that it was time, when natural and earthly things um, were, were conducive, um, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman. So um, I just, that's a neat way to think about it to me, because like there is never something God does that isn't intentional, purposeful, on time, um, and, and wonderful, you know, um, it says, and because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. Now don't get hung up on the, the masculine pronouns here. This is talking to everyone. He's just using this because culturally speaking, that's who would have been being addressed. Okay. So that continuing on, but in the past, since you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things that by nature are not God's. But now, since you know God or rather have become known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elements? Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? Here's the thing. Paul is making it clear that you can find out the reality and the truth of God and, and Jesus and all that has been done for you you can even you can even receive it and you can choose to walk away from it and not live in what he offers but return to the life that you had prior to the knowledge that you've gained people don't like to hear that but that is true god does not leave us but we can walk away from him he says you are observing special days months seasons and years I'm fearful for you that perhaps my labor for you has been wasted. I beg you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I also become like you. You've not wronged me. You know that previously I preached the gospel to you because of a weakness of the flesh. You did not despise or reject me, though my physical condition was a trial for you. On the contrary, you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing? For I testify to you that, if possible, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. So then I have become your enemy because I told you the truth. They court you eagerly, but not for good. They want to exclude you from me so that you would pursue them. But it is always good to be pursued in a good manner and not just when I'm with you. 
My children, I am again suffering labor pains for you until Christ is formed in you. I would like to be with you right now and change my tone of voice because I don't know what to do about you. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, don't you hear the law? For it's written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave and one or and the other by a free woman. But the one by the slave was born as a result of the flesh, while the one by the free woman was born through a promise. These things are being taken figuratively, for the women represent two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai and bears children into slavery. This is Hagar. Now Hagar represents Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, childless woman, unable to give birth. Burst into song and shout, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate woman will be many, more numerous than those of the woman who has a husband. Now you two brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as, the, just as then the child born as a result of the flesh persecuted the one born as a result of the spirit, so also now. But what does the scripture say? Drive out the slave and her son, for the son of the slave will never be a co-heir with the son of the free woman. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of a slave, but of the free woman. <clears throat> Woohoo! Right? Psalm 6. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger. Do not discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are shaking. My whole being is shaken with terror. And you, Lord, how long? Turn, Lord, rescue me. Save me because of your faithful love. For there is no remembrance of you in death. Who can thank you in Sheol? I am weary from my groaning with my tears. I dampen my bed and drench my couch every night. My eyes are swollen from grief. They grow old because of all my enemies. Depart from me, all evildoers, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea for help. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be ashamed and shake with terror. They will turn back and suddenly be disgraced. And that is it for today, friends. Come back for tomorrow. Or come back for tomorrow. Come back tomorrow as we continue to read the Bible together. I'll see you then.